Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Happy Sabbath again. I know you were expecting pastor, right? Yeah, look like today I have to step in as the pastor, but I don't match anything that he does. So I'm very grateful for the opportunity given me, and I'm glad to be here today. It was 11th of January, a few days after myself and Obed sang the song, I will go on. And after those days, so many things started happening. My past, the things that I've done wrong, the guilt, the sorrows, the pain, hurt, was crumbling me down. It was weighing me down. It was waging against me. I was so regretful. I was tired. I was depressed. I gave up. And at the same time, that day I was in class on Zoom. And I started crying the whole time. And I totally forgot I was on video. So the instructor saw me. He's like, are you okay? I couldn't even reply or respond. My heart was broken. My life was just shown to me like a movie. And all I could hear is, you deserve it. Everything that happened to you, you deserve it. People walking out of your life. You failing your classes many times. It's your own sin and your own actions that caused it. And at the same time, this was the same. It was just two weeks after we were done with, you know, this book that we were reading with Dennis Smith. Having an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I knew I was strong. But this keep on coming back. Over and over and over. Then I was like, no, I'm done. I am done. How about we stay home for the rest of the year? No church. Then something told me, just kneel down and pray. And all I could say was, save me, oh Lord. Save me, oh Lord. Then out of nowhere, pastor tested hey, do you want to lead a sermon? And I looked up, I'm like, oh, are you serious right now? Is this how to save me? I'm like, I am just going through all this, and I don't know where my life is going, and you want me to lead a sermon? And I told myself, I'm like, it's not him doing it. It was God doing it. He wanted to tell me something. So I picked up my Bible, And when I opened it, it just took me straight to Romans 8. Do you know how many times I ran away from this book called Romans? Many times. I don't like reading that book. I don't know why. But after I read this Romans chapter 8, that is why I really realized everything that I've been running from. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I have come to you 
Lord, like I came to you on January 11th, that Lord saved me. Lord, now I'm asking you to save me. Talk through me. Give your word to your church. Lord, let somebody find hope in this message. Give me the power to give the point and let the point be the power. Thank you for everything. All those watching online, Lord, bless them. Keep them. And Lord, let them understand this word. Amen. Amen. My sermon is entitled, Set Free, Saved, and Sanctified. This is a testimony about Isaac. And I'm going to share something that I've been through all my life. Something that the devil has made me feel all my life. I've been held down many times. And that day, he keep on telling me, you deserved it. You deserved it. Until I came across Romans 8. Romans chapter 8 just opened my eyes to something different. I'm like, oh, wow, what just happened? If I had another way to title this sermon, I would say, sanctification and growth. Or, set free by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, I have it on the board. Can you open that for, so that we can go there? Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That day I came to realize one thing. That the only sin that can be defeated is a forgiven sin. And I will say very, very carefully, the only sin that you and I can defeat in our daily lives and replace it with the righteousness of Christ is the only sin that is being forgiven for Christ's sake and when he died on the cross. I am saying it very carefully because we have our natural ways of overcoming stuff, right? Like alcoholics, they go through those steps and they do this to overcome it. But after overcoming it, without forgiveness from Christ and from God, it is self-righteousness. It's not by God's righteousness, right? So I will say one more time. The only sin that you can defeat in your life is the sin that has been forgiven for Christ's sake. You know, I started thinking when I, whenever I, when I was writing this sermon, I'm like, are you sure about this? Because 
do you feel forgiven, Isaac? But then I realized one thing. As he said, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Now, present. It's not talking about the past. It's saying now. So I have already been forgiven. So now I have no condemnation. I have no guilt. I have nothing against me. But what does the devil do best? He, make, he makes us think that we are still sinful, which we all go through every day due to the life that we go through, due to the things that happen. You fail your class, you lose your job, you get heartbroken from a relationship. What do you do? You blame yourself and feel like, oh, I caused it. My sinful nature brought this upon me. And I've been through this life many, many times. And I kept on thinking, so what else now? Now I want to talk about something. That justification must precede and empower sanctification. Unless you're being justified, you cannot be sanctified. But the whole point here is this. In Romans 8 chapter 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in who? Christ Jesus. Forgiveness for our sins through faith in Christ must precede and then empower our battle against sin in our lives. Or God's declaration that we are forgiven and righteous in Christ must precede and enable our transformation into loving sacrificial, Christ-exalting people, the divine declaration must precede the human transformation. Without this, we cannot do it. Or to put it in a simple way, justification must precede and uphold sanctification. Being right with God must precede doing right for God. Now, for some of you, typical of me, I used to think this is all formalities. This is the perfectionist life to live. This is nitpicking. Hey, dude, what are you talking about? I kept on asking myself, whenever I read Romans 8, I was doing the same thing. And I'm like, this is irrelevant to me because I don't do any of these things that you're talking about. But systematically, I do it without even knowing. So if you feel like this is nitpicking, let's talk about this. Supposedly, you're in, in court. And you're being charged for a capital offense, which is really due for death. A guilty verdict will mean death. And not guilt ver verdict will mean freedom and life. And supposedly the judge stands up and he says this. There are two ways that we can go about this, right? There are two deals on the table right now, Isaac. This is you. I can acquit you right now, decisively, irrevocably, and release you so that you go 
and live a free and a joyful and loving life. That shows you are really not rebellious, crime-loving, crime lawbreaker, though you are. Or I can postpone this whole trial right now and just come back several years for a verdict and assign you a parole. And how many of us really have parole around us? Our family members, our friends, even in our churches, we have these parole officers going around, checking everything you do. And this is the sad part, that when we come to church, we have these things within our church, people who are checking everything you're doing, condemning you already. But then Romans chapter, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 have said what? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There will be an officer who will watch over you all the time, right? And let you go out and prove yourself to the court by your life. Then have the trial after that and base the verdict on whether you have your behavior was satisfactory or not. Does this sound like formalities to you? In one, you're going to be free. And you're going to enjoy the mercy and grace of your church. In another case, the trial is always hanging on you. You have to prove it every day. You have to prove it every time. And your future is going to be accounted and asked whether you measured up. To me, this is not formalities. This is not about uh, perfectionist. This is not nitpicking. Call it whatever you want to call it, but this is the truth, and this is important for your life and mine. If you don't live your life by reflecting on God and what he does for you and promises to be for you, then you need to start rethinking everything today. As I said, I really never liked Romans, the book of Romans, totally. Because I feel like it's always challenging me. And it's going to always make me think about certain things I don't want to think about. Now, what is the link between Romans, chapter, uh, Romans 8 verses 1 and Romans 8 verses 2? So what is the connection between Romans 8.1 and Romans 8.2? We have the statement there. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we are united to Christ by faith in him at the very beginning of our Christian life, when we were baptized, when we went down to the water and came back up that very day, the verdict was rendered, not guilty, righteous for Christ's sake. All sins forgiven, all guilt removed, all punishment averted, 
based because of who? Christ. That is chapter 1 right there, right? Then chapter 2 says something different. You know, verses 1 is saying declaration of no condemnation. Verses 2 is saying what? It's saying it's just giving us a description of a practical transformation. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you and I free from the law of sin and of death. Now let's make three observations here. Okay. What is law? How do we define law at all? Law means power or principle or impulse or authority. The first law that we we're going to talk about is the law of sin and death. The principle and power leading to sin. And if unchecked, death. The wages of sin is what? Death. Thank you. So what does the sin, what does the law of sin and death refer to? Because we have been set free from death. But what does it mean? We can find that in Romans chapter 7, 22 to 23. And I read. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind. And making me a prisoner of the law of sin and at work within me. So where is the law of sin and death? It's within me. It's autoimmune. It's cancer within me, eating me up every day. So the law of sin and death is within Isaac. It's within you. It's waging war against your own self. It is fighting against you. And I went through that January 11th. I was fighting against myself. And most people who know me knows that I can really argue. I was fighting this. You know, my dad will tell you, I always argue just to win. And that day, that was exactly what I was doing. Argue my point. I'm like, listen, God, you know, I tried. No, 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 no. Isaac, you never tried because you never accepted my no condemnation. You were doing it by yourself, self-righteousness, which is just empty. You know... You do it without even knowing. And that was how I was. I do these things so easily without even realizing what I was doing to myself. I was holding my own self down. And I was really forgetting the law of the spirit of life. The principle and power leading to life. 
which can be found in Romans 6, 14, 17, and 18. Notice the victory over this impulse and principle or power of sin is given by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. The measure of victory that we get over sin in our lives is not owing to our own unaided striving. It is owing to the work of God's spirit in us. Which is found in Romans 6, 14. Let me read it so that you understand what I'm saying. Romans 6, 14. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. 17. But thanks be to God that though you used, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to be slaves. You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. 18. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I will always be a slave to righteousness instead of being a slave to sin. 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. What did I say from the beginning? The only sin that you can defeat is a forgiven sin. In Christ, we are set free. And we have what? Eternal life. So if you are in Christ, then the spirit of life is actually working within you. Is it hard for us to understand? How do you define the word Christian? A Christian is somebody being united to Christ by faith in all that God is for us in Jesus. So if you are, you are united to Christ, what do you have? Life. You have what? Freedom. You are set free from all your what? Sins. So why do we still feel guilty at times? Why do, you, do we sometimes feel like, no, this is not for me. Whatever I'm going through right now is my sin. But then he has already promised that therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in who? Christ. In him is life. And it's life eternal. But this is what the devil does so best. Not for you to see that truth. Not to hear that truth. Not to even understand that truth. And not to even think about that truth. And you keep on living in the lie. Oh, you're guilty, man. 
You know, that lady that just walked out of your life is because of your own actions and your sins. You know, that class that you just failed is your own sin. You know, that marriage that is not working is your own sin. That financial life that is unsteady and you're always broke is because of your own actions. But then I have the judge who have already said, not guilty. All sins have been forgiven. But I still feel that way because of the waging war within myself. And I doubt my own self every day. So why are we still fighting? If we united with Christ, you have pardon from sin and power over sin. Now, I want to make two observations here. The first thing that we can say is when we're united to Christ by faith, makes his pardon and righteousness ours, so there is no condemnation. The second thing is this. By faith makes his power and authority over sin ours, so the law of sin and death can be defeated. In Christ, we get pardon from sin and power over sin. Now that brings me to the point that I was trying to make. That in Christ we have two things. The pardon and power. And every Christian have this. Unless you tell me you're not a Christian. Unless you just tell me right now, Isaac, I am not a Christian. I don't believe in Christ. I just believe in anything called spiritual. And a lot of us are still living that life. We still think church is just spiritual. But I'm telling you point blank today, it's not spiritual. It's the practical life that you live after being justified. So for me, coming here, it's not a routine. It is my responsibility to be here. Because when I come here, I talk with him. I meet him in person. I hear him talk to me. We should not forget this, that there should be pardon before power. There should be pardon before power. If you are ever going to get victory over a particular sin, you have to have a joyful confidence that those sins are really forgiven. The confidence of no condemnation must precede and empower the radical warfare of transformation. And I do radical warfare rather than lazy boy, easy chair salvation. Which we all do. Isaac is number one. You know, when I was growing up and I used to listen to Mark Finley and all those people, right? All that they keep on saying is what? 
Adventist people are what? The people of the book. What happened over the years? We have become the people of the screen. Oh, you caught it, right? We have become the people of the screen now. We are living this lazy boy chair salvation. Once saved, it's always saved. And I'm telling you, you've been lying to yourself if you think that way. Once saved, it's never saved. But once forgiven, it's always forgiven because Christ died on the cross. So you can never be saved if you think you're always saved. No. But you're always forgiven. So you have the chance to accept that forgiveness and be forgiven. You know, we're moving from the well to the pet. We're moving from grace to disgrace nowadays. We are moving from the gain to the pain. We are moving from the palace to prison. We are giving ourselves to the devil every day in and day out. Because we don't even ask for it anymore. You know, when you ask people, where is your Bible? What is the first sentence? On my phone. So if you're like me, on my phone, trust me, I will sit here and whatever the pastor will say, I will never hear. Because I have friends all over the world, they'll be texting. And you feel tempted to reply. So that five seconds that you take to reply, whatever the pastor said, you didn't even hear it. We feel so shameful to even hold the Bible nowadays. A lot of people don't even know how much the Bible costs and what is the newest Bible and which Bible should not even be held. And we sit here and say, once saved is always saved. We just want everything easy. Okay, microwave it and let's go. We are living a microwavable salvation. Let me pick it out of the fridge, warm it up and eat and go. The fast food salvation. And we live this life so simple and so comfortable. You know, be careful. Because that leads to your own death. And you get lost so easily without even seeing it. Romans 8 verse 13 says something. That really caught me. And I started asking myself, Well, 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 am I sure? For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will leave. So what the Spirit of life enables you to do is to make war unforgiving sin and kill them. So why do I think 
And why am I so convinced that there should be justification, pardon first, and sanctification second? Which is the power? Whenever you read Romans chapter 8 verses 1 and 2, Verses 1 is speaking of no condemnation. Verses 2 is speaking of spirit-empowered liberation. Those verses are connected by the word for or because. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. This can mean two things. It can mean that the practical sanctification and liberation from sin is the basis for my justification. So I have to defeat my sin in the power of the Spirit first in order to be justified. Now, this is what I am trying to argue right now. The second one. Or it can mean that practical sanctification and liberation from sin is the evidence of my justification. So I am justified, forgiven, pardoned first. And then the evidence of this reality by living it out in my practical life. We use for and because all the time. For example, you will say, I am really hungry because my stomach is growling. Or you say, I am really hungry because I, did, I didn't have any breakfast. The growling stomach is evident that I am hungry. Not the basis or cause of my hunger. But not having breakfast is the basis and cause of my hunger. Now, this is the meaning here. Is the spirit victory over, over my sin the prior cause and basis of me being free from condemnation? Or it is the evidence that I already have been forgiven and been freed? And I'm, I'm arguing this point. That verses 2 means evidence not basis and cause justification is the foundation for transformation not the other way around I want to look at something here two things that I really start to think about the verses 2 is our liberation from sin is the evidence, not the basis or cause of our justification without condemnation in verses 1. If you read verses 3, I'm going to read verses 3. Romans 8.3 For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be 
sin offering, and so he condemns sin in the flesh. Christ came, condemns sin in the flesh, so that we have the hope, so that we have the justification. He came to die on a cross so that I have sanctification. So the very thing that accomplishes our freedom from condemnation is not given as the result of our triumph over sin by the Spirit, but as a foundation of our triumph over sin by the Spirit. So no condemnation then precedes and supports our liberation and transformation, not the other way around. This means that we are saved if we accept it and if we allow him to come be with us and stay within us. The second reason, reason comes from Romans 7, 4 and 6. Romans 4, Romans 7, 4. So my brothers and sisters, you also die to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit of God. 6. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not the old way of a written code. And what is the written code? The Mosaic law. But we have been released because Christ died in our place and became cursed for me and you. Galatians 3.13. He says, cursed is the one who hangs on the what? The tree. You know, the one who created the whole earth, created you and I, became cursed. To me, if this sounds still like formalities, then let's say maybe I should stop here and let's go home. To me, it's not. Because he hanged on the tree that I was supposed to be hanging on. Took upon every sin, every curse, he was part on. He was beaten. They put the crown of thorns on his head. And he died on that cross just to set me free from the code. We all live by this code every day. You know, we pick up the list. And I was telling Pastor one time that uh, on our group that sometimes you pick it up and you check list. Oh, today I didn't, I didn't steal. I didn't gossip. Oh, I read my Bible. I read that. We still live by that code if you're living that life. That code is controlling you.
You know, I get emotional whenever I talk about Christ dying on the cross. Because I sit there and I think if it was Isaac on that cross, the first thing that would have happened was, release me. This is not my place. He had all the power. He had all the angels. But he still died on the cross. So that I can have an evidence. I can have the freedom from sin and of death. The Spirit is now enabling us to serve God in new, free, and joyful way. And this is the result of being released from the condemnation of the law. Released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit. So I want to say this. Released from condemnation in verses 1, Romans 8 verses 1. Is the cause and foundation of our liberation by the Spirit in Romans 8, verses 2. And Paul refers to this liberation work of the Spirit in our lives as the evidence that we really are without condemnation. That we have already had victory over sin because Christ died on the cross. You know, that day, whenever I read uh, Isaiah 53, I shake. Go, one part said, the father was pleased to watch the son being bruised for my transgression. He was willing to see the son suffer so that Isaac can have freedom. So that you can have freedom over sin. And this is the difference that this makes for you and I. It is the difference between fighting fearfully to get justified and fighting confidently because we are justified. It is the difference between your heavenly court trial being behind you with an irrevocable verdict of not guilty and your trial being and your trial being in front of you with a verdict up in the air depending on your performance and your actions it is the difference between the freedom of confidence and the bondage of fear it is the difference between giving Christ the double glory of being both being our righteousness as well as working righteousness in us and and giving him only the single glory of helping us become our righteousness. This are the differences. You see that you fight in fear or you fight in faith. You see that you gain or you go through the pain. You see that you're sorrowful or you're joyful. This is not any formality. It's not perfectionist life to live. But this is the truth. 
to conclude, this is gospel confirming, freedom preserving, conscious cleansing, Christ exalting truth that the devil wants very much for you not to understand or enjoy. And ask me and I'll tell you, I've been there and I go through it every day. But the only way that I go through it and when is allowing Christ abide with me. Church, if you don't allow Christ in and you keep on living and standing on the idea that you can do it by yourself, I am telling you, you're losing every day. And that battle has already been lost. So stop fighting. But if you believe in no condemnation because you're in Christ Jesus, then you're really free indeed. Fight your sin like a victor, not a victim. Amen.